Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When we arrive at the end of our journey, we will be dead. Hello, listeners. This is Crystal Clear, and you're listening to more Morgulon, the never-ending story. If you haven't figured it out by now, life is the journey. And there is no destination. So quit sweating it. Quit insisting you must be disease-free. That you must be happy all of the time. Mortals, this is life, our human condition. Not a test or a contest. The best we can do is to strive to become our most authentic self. Where the inside matches the outside. We have nothing to hide, and we know that we belong. And that we approve of ourselves without any reservation. Eliminate self-doubt. If it is not helpful to you, unbind your mind. Your perspective of the problem is the problem. Yeah, well, you can keep reading fortune cookies while these worms come out of my teeth, Crystal. I know, I know. I have worms coming out of my teeth as well, and lots of glitter coming out of my hands today. But my face looks better. I think my treatment is working. Could that possibly be real, or is it just the full moon approaching? Who knows? We will find out. We're on this journey together, and thank you for joining me. Today we're going to talk about mouseworms, because that's the kind of weird show this is. So thanks for listening, and stay tuned. If I must suffer, if I, must suffer I will suffer. I can manage whatever weather. I can handle this. I die. And last time I checked, I'm feeling fine. I'm 39 and I'm in my prime. All right, let's start this episode off about mouthworms. Yes. So there's a friendly little worm that likes to live in your mouth. And um, I don't know if any of you guys out there who may have morgulons have experienced uh, anything involving the oral cavity that you think is related to morgulons. Tomfy Tom 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 has been saying since day one that like these motherfuckers are coming out of my teeth, and I've been like, what? I don't think so, buddy. But as time has gone on, and as time and time again I have been humbled, and as my symptoms are mostly concentrated for me in the hairy oral region, 
And as I've been applying these treatments, these topical antibiotic treatments that I've been doing for the past, I don't know, I guess about a week, um, and seeing all of the long, quote, hairs that come out of these luscious lips of mine, and also as well experiencing things that seem like hairs sort of coming from my teeth, especially one molar in the back that just disintegrated last year. Yeah, just like wasn't eating, wasn't doing anything. Just all of a sudden I was like, holy fucking shit, I only have half a molar. Didn't hurt, doesn't hurt. I still need to go get it fixed. Hate the dentist. But I've been to the dentist many, many a times, friends. Bought several vacation homes for dentists. Root canal after root canal after root canal. Dentists have crowned me 20-something times because I am the cavity queen. But I take great care of my teeth. I literally brush my teeth like seven times a day, um, which I've been told is the cause of why my gums are receding at an alarming rate. But quite personally, I think that's just dentists wanting to sell you some kind of crazy gum graft. I don't know. Dental mafia. Anyway, I'm getting a little off the topic, but... You know, remember back in season, I don't know, negative 10, how many seasons of more Morgulons are there now? Uh, there was an episode I did called Neurocutaneous Syndrome, and this guy out there, he's some kind of MD or something, and he's convinced that Morgulons is the result of uh, some kind of a dental problem. He seems to think that there's several brands of sealant, teeth sealants, that cause some sort of reaction in the body that leads to Morgulons. It's an interesting theory. He claims to be able to back up his theory, claiming that he has eliminated Morgulons by doing dental restorations, removing these problematic dental sealants. Dental sealants, you guys, it's like I've had them done myself. I, I had them done as a kid and I've had them done as an adult as well. But it's like basically like a paint, like a clear paint, some sort of resin. God only fucking knows what's in it. He may have a point there, but um, but it, it coats your teeth and it supposedly makes them less susceptible to um, decay um, and, and prevents cavities, therefore. So, like, I haven't done a credibility check on this guy. I tend to believe that he may have some kind of moneyed interest in pushing this particular theory. Like, oh, I don't know, maybe he works for, like, the competitor dental sealant company because he's not shy about like calling out you know sealants by brand name being like this shit's horrible and then i think he in his paper that we went over in that episode i think he says that he used wonder teeth gloss and he may be working for a company that sells wonder teeth gloss but i don't know that i don't know that guys i'm just cynical because time and time again when you look at the people that are talking about writing about more uh, morgulons that don't actually have it Seems like a lot of them are just out for a buck rather than reproducible research supported science informing treatment. But there may be something to the relationship of dental conditions to morgulines. I don't know. I don't know if it's neurocutaneous syndrome. I don't know if it is a mouthworm. Let's talk about the mouthworm, okay? Um, so there's this mouthworm. <laughs> and more great news. You know, as usual, they say it's like incredibly rare in humans. Okay, if you say so. But it's called gongolonema. Gongol, Latin for rounded. So we'll go to the CDC's website because let's just see what the CDC's been saying lately. Shit probably hasn't been updated since 2012. Gongolonema is a genus of spirurid nematodes, which includes the veterinary parasite G. pulchrum. 
or gullet worm, or stitchworm, along with several other parasites of mammals and birds. Incidental human infections with gongolonema are rare, and species-level identifications are difficult and seldom confirmed. Well, it's like, okay, <laughs> human infections are rare, and yet at the same time, in the same sentence, they say species-level identifications are difficult and seldom confirmed. AKA, we didn't, we didn't know, know what, what that worm was. I'll share with you guys a little case study about these uh, G. pulcrum worms, mouthworms as well. And you'll see why uh, I'm a little bit skeptical about their assertion that these are rare um, when they're also asserting that they're incredibly difficult to diagnose. And we'll, we'll look into that in a minute. But anyway, so it's like the adult gongolonema this the worm genus, inhabit the upper gastrointestinal tract of the, di of the definitive host in sites such as the mouth, esophagus, uh, lumen, and stomach. The long, thin adults are found in shallow tunnels in the squamous epithelial surfaces of these tissues. Okay, let's break that down. The long, thin adults, so the adult worms are long and thin. They're found in these shallow tunnels, so that means they burrow through skin the squamous epithelial surfaces of these tissues. So basically the surface tissues, epithelial is like skin guys, um, of the mouth, of the esophagus, of the uh, intestinal lumen. Lumen means like the inside of a tube um, and, and the stomach. So they can burrow through your skin and that's where they like to go. Um, and then it says, the female produces thick-shelled embryonated eggs containing first-stage L1 larva. Expelled eggs are released from the tunnels during epithelial desquamation. That means skin turnover. Think about that for a minute, y'all. Little weird egg things are coming out of the tunnels. Is that what's going on when I reach up to my face and suddenly there's a bunch of like weird crumb crystal things? Don't know. And they're shed in the feces. So you're pooping their eggs. Okay. Seen a lot of weird egg looking things in my poop. Um, intermediate host insects become infected. So insects get infected. That's another host, right? So we can be a host as humans, the definitive host, my friends. Mammals, yes. The mammals, the pigs, the bass, and the moose. And dogs. The, uh, the other hosts can be insects, okay? All right, noted. Um, stay tuned to hear about nasty insects. The host, uh, intermediate host insects become infected after ingesting eggs in host feces, eaten mammal poop, and then larvae develop in the hemocell of the intermediate host, don't know what that means, eventually becoming encapsulated as infective third stage L3 larvae in the thoracic muscles. So an insect sits down to a big nice dinner of poop from a mammal, encapsulated egg enters the thoracic muscles. This good old L3 larva third stage. Could that have something to do with all of the huge ants that are dead on my screen and porch and split in half with weird white fuzz stuff coming out of their thorax? I don't know. Not an entomologist, just play one on the radio. Call me entomologist. Then it says, larvae are released in the stomach, which embed in the gastric or duodenal mucosa and eventually migrate to the upper gastrointestinal tract after two to three months. Oh, great. Stay a while. Fuckers. Migration of larvae often creates characteristic zigzag or sinusoidal, that's the shape of a roller coaster going up and down, sinusoidal tracks in the affected epithelial mucosa. Um, so what does that mean? You know those serpiginous uh, rashes associated with strongyloid worms? Serpiginous means snake-like. That's all it means. Snake-like rash. 
That would be sort of synonymous with sinusoidal and zigzag regarding these gangalanema larvae while they're migrating through the body. So, you know how we've talked about before that some people really experience their morgulons in head, ears, nose, throat, mouth, all the stuff on your head and your neck. Well, that would kind of go along with this G-pulchrum. And then it says maturation of these larvae, right, is completed in the upper gastrointestinal tract. Human infections occur following the ingestion of intermediate host arthropods, either intentionally or accidentally, in contaminated food or water. In these cases, so what does that mean? Um, when we eat bugs, uh, intentionally or accidentally, so yeah, thanks cockroach that crawled into my mouth when I was sleeping one night. Uh, in these cases, worms have been found in the mucosal tissues of the lips, cheek, tongue, tonsils, gums, and occasionally esophagus. What I say first episode, I swallow worms, did then still do. A few cases of spurious egg passage have been documented, which may be due to the inadvertent consumption of adult gongolonema in certain types of meat, e.g. chicken gizzards, pork tongue. Y'all, in Hotlanta, we really eat that shit. I don't, but many people in my neighborhood do. They have them in a big jar at the gas station. Yes, pickled pig feet. <sighs> Host. Okay, gongolanemia. Gongolanema pulchrum is a common parasite of domestic swine, sheep, goats, and cattle, amongst other wild ungulate hosts. What the fuck does that mean? It just means animals with hooves. Why can't you just say that, CDC? Doesn't that kind of get on y'all's nerves? Fucking elitist bullshit. Also... The numerous other gongolonema species are usually parasites of birds and rodents. But species have also been reported in various other mammalian hosts. Yes, dogs, bears, lions, and tigers. Oh my, got fucking morgulons. Coprophagous beetles. What does that mean? It means poop-eating beetles. Across several families. And some cockroaches are known to be competent intermediate hosts for various gongolonema species. So it's in roaches, huh? Well... I will say, uh, I live in the South, it is hot as fuck, and I live in a wooded area. So, do I get roaches in my home? I sure do. I nuke them when I see them, but I don't see them all. Okay, so, geographic distribution. Many gongolinema species have a cosmopolitan distribution. They live in the city. They're city worms, y'all. They go to the theater, the symphony, the museum. They drink cosmos, and they ride the subway. So you find it in the city, but you also find it in livestock? That, that just never has made sense to me. CDC? Sporadic zoonotic infections have been reported worldwide. So, zoonotic infections just means an infection you get from an animal. It's been reported every now and then around the world. So how does this look? Clinical manifestations. The main symptom of gongolonema infection is the sensation of movement or a foreign body in the oral cavity. Sometimes, worms may be extracted by the patient with fingers or a fine needle. Other clinical manifestations include mild inflammation and ulceration of affected sites, which resolve upon removal of the parasite. Anybody got any mouth ulcers now and then? Yeah, kinda. Me too. So listen up, y'all. This is what they look like. The gongolinema species are long and thread-like. Okay. Sounds like a contender. Mature females are up to 145 millimeters long. And 0.5 millimeters wide. That's pretty big. The males are slightly smaller, 62 millimeters long, 0.3 millimeters wide. Dang, out of time. Stay tuned. 